China has made no secret of their outrage over the arrest of um, Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou. And now, of course, they're putting that outrage into action. As we learn, the former Canadian diplomat has been arrested in China. His name, Michael Korvig. And he previously worked as a Canadian diplomat in Beijing. And he's currently with an international group that calls itself an independent organization, which works, I guess, to prevent wars and shape policy for a more peaceful world. So why was he a target? Or is, I guess, any Canadian a target over in China? Um, So that story broke this morning. And then we've got the bail hearing of the CEO of Huawei, who is just released on bail. And then tonight we've got the news that Trump is suggesting that, yes, he might get involved if he needs to intervene to save any trade deals. A lot going on on this file. Let's bring in my, uh, Matthew Finish, uh, Fisher. I'll get that right. Matthew Fisher, resident visiting scholar of foreign military policy over at Massey College, uh, Bill Graham Center of the University of Toronto. That's a long title, Mr. Matthew. Oh, I even <laughs> left out a few words. Did I? I probably tell you the God's truth. There you go. Well, you've earned every uh, every title you've got. Um, I don't even know where to start with this story. Let's talk with the with the I think the big morning headline, which is Canadian diplomat uh, kind of disappears. Is is Michael Korvig going to find himself released anytime soon? I mean, how how serious is this for him? I doubt he's going to be released anytime soon. I don't quite understand why he was still in the country. Certainly people that I know, Canadians in China, have spent the last 72 or 96 hours clearing out. China has a history of doing this. In fact, they did the same with a Canadian couple who were there as preachers up along the North Korean border. And in that case, it was because they wanted Canada to free uh, another Chinese businessman Uh, and he was facing an extradition hearing to the United States. They eventually were released. Uh, The uh, businessman was extradited to the United States, and my recollection is that he was convicted. This is definitely tit for tat. China really plays hardball on all of these things. You can expect other actions. Already there's a boycott, Mm -hmm. I understand, of Canadian parkas, Canada goose, uh, Parkas, I think that's a company name, yep. I'm not sure. But uh, in China, and the next step, which I think you will see uh, if this continues very long, and I think it will continue quite a while, is uh, fewer Chinese tourists to Canada. They can turn off the tap very quickly. They're very high-spending tourists. Canada has gone way out of its way to attract them. We have seen in South Korea and Japan and the Philippines that literally overnight, 10,000 or 20,000 visitors a day can become zero as China won't let them in and say, well, okay, you're going to put lots of your own people out of work for this. This is particularly uh, a factor in Western Canada, in the Rockies and in British Columbia. Chinese tourists now are a very big deal. They are in Toronto too, but less so than they are out West. So these are the kind of instruments China uses to try to bully other countries uh, into doing things. And uh, the other thing they do to get people to come home that they want who are overseas is they have a habit of kidnapping people and jailing them. The the wives and children uh, are not allowed to leave the country, even if they're citizens of other countries. China holds them hostage to make the the person they want come home to, to face their courts. Uh, and their courts, as we all know, are a little bit different than our courts. 
Right. Well, they are. And look, Canada is clearly stuck in the middle of a, of a nightmare because China and America, you know, embroiled in this trade deal and, and this back and forth with the tariffs. I mean, we are kind of caught in the middle of this. And I don't know, do, do things get better now a little bit, Matthew, now that bail has been granted to this woman, which, which by the way, I thought was a, a big risk. Um I think it's a big risk, too. I agree with you. Um, I think you're right that it may mollify the Chinese a little bit. The terms of the bail, to my mind, are extremely generous. Uh, She only has to be, uh, Meng and Wangzhou only must be at home between 11 at night and 6 in the morning. Uh, There are only two security guards apparently responsible for ascertaining that she doesn't um, run away. And who, by the way, uh, appoints uh, them? Does she get to pick uh, her own? She, yeah, she <laughs> picked her own. Really? And and uh, she's allowed to go to the North Shore of Vancouver. Where the helicopter will anything. come and get her? Yeah. Well, it could be a helicopter. Who knows? Uh, there, there are Chinese ships all over the place. All she needs to do is get on a helicopter and she'd be outside Canadian uh, territorial waters in about three or four minutes, and then a Chinese uh, vessel, she could be put on that. I mean, there are a lot of different ways if they choose uh, for her to leave the country. But whether she does or whether she doesn't, uh, my hunch right now is that she won't. But the terms are very generous. So she can go anywhere in Richmond, British Columbia, Vancouver, or the North Shore. Um, Also, the four people who spoke on her behalf were Canadian citizens, but they're all Canadian citizens whose ties look like they're completely to China, mainland China, and um, they're not exactly the kind of people that I think one of them was a masseuse or... or, or, or no, was I it? think it was a manicurist. Was her, or... uh, somebody involved in something to do with the healthcare yeah. industry. Um, uh, that was one of the four people that were regarded as serious. The judge also said, because she's so well-educated, uh, my understanding is she's not well-educated at all, but that she has benefited, of course, greatly from the fact that her father was a billionaire, and that's how she became the chief financial officer of uh, company. All of this leaves a bad taste for me. Also, uh, tonight I, I met some uh, Canadians at a gathering that Christia Freeland spoke at here in Toronto, and those Canadians said, well, what is the United States doing applying its laws in Canada and all over the world, sort of extraterritoriality? And I go, it's not exactly how you regard it. The reason this uh, company is of interest is because they were not only dealing with the Iranians, which the Americans don't like, but the French and the Germans buy oil from Iran, and nobody's putting them in jail. What this company was doing was they were taking U.S. components that they use in their own equipment and sending it to Iran. And that is where they got in trouble. And that is an awful lot different than the suggestion uh, that it's just the U.S. being a bully around the world about its laws. The U.S. feels very strongly about Iran. Uh, I don't particularly agree with everything to do with that policy, but I certainly think it's the United States' right to have that policy. Let me let me step in here, Matthew, because I've only got a couple of minutes left here. But I wanted to ask you then, what do you make of Mr. Trump's comments today, tonight, where he said, uh, like, <laughs> beyond stupid, beyond stupid. What he is suggesting by those remarks, if they are true, and 
probably knowing what he said before. There's a, it's probable they are true. Uh, is it's outrageous because what he's saying is really this has nothing to do with the courts. It's just me. It's another trade deal. If China makes some concessions on trade, I'll let her go. Well, that's not how the U.S. Justice Department certainly regards this. This woman is facing 30 years in jail. You don't face 30 years in jail for nothing. They don't stop you in a foreign country to extradite you unless there's serious things involved. And so Trump sort of throws this all away with this idea that it's just another trade deal. This is not just another trade deal. This company, the U.S. intelligence, the Five Eyes, mm-hmm. Canada accepted, have all rejected this company getting involved in their phone systems. Canada has been very, very soft on China because of this dream that the Prime Minister Trudeau has that somehow we are going to make trade work with China where all the other countries haven't. We're an outlier. We don't criticize the Chinese on the Turkic-speaking minority in the West, a million of them that are in something akin to concentration camps. We, we don't have really a position on the South China Sea. We say it's up to the countries over there to decide. So we don't, uh, alone among our allies, conduct freedom of navigation operations in the South China Sea. In fact, when our ships are there, our captains are ordered to spe- stay hundreds of miles away from those artificial islands that the Chinese have turned into military bases after starting out by promising that they would never do it. And Canada is the country that, again, is the outlier so far on dealing with the Huawei telephone company, which, by the way, sponsors Hockey Night in Canada. They know where to go in Canada to try to get support. So Canada is the weak sister in all of this. And I think China thinks Canada can be pushed around. People say, oh, it's the U.S. pushing China or Canada around on this. I would say that far more it's China pushing Canada around on this. Matthew, I've got to run on that because I'm going to hit black, but I do appreciate you joining us. I'll have you on again for sure. Thank you. Thank you. That is Matthew Fisher joining us with some uh, very honest talk. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.